0: Good to be here again. Praise the Lord. And uh, to bring greetings from uh, small fellowship in Mount Gambia. And we're rejoicing in the Lord, the same as all the other saints uh, around the world. Um, <coughs> just recently back home, uh, I've been looking at um, uh, what the Bible calls the generally the three feasts of uh, <coughs> Passover, Pentecost and the Feast of uh, Tabernacles. And these feasts are all united around, uh, or centred around uh, one thing, and that's uh, bringing in uh, the harvest of the Lord. Uh, The Feast of the Passover was the time of the um, uh, (coughs) barley harvest, the Feast of Pentecost, uh, was the time of the uh, uh, gathering in of the wheat, and uh, the Feast of Tabernacles was... uh, to give it another name was the, uh, in, in gathering, uh, when all the harvest had actually been gathered together and they rejoiced in that. <laughs> um, in Ecke, it opening Bibles to uh, Exodus uh, chapter 23, and yet when you look at, uh, <coughs> uh, the New Covenant, uh, we read in Corinthians that Christ is our Passover, uh, we look at, uh, <coughs> Acts 2, as we well know, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, is that that is very much applicable to the church. And uh, the Feast of Tabernacles um, <clears throat> is something that the church is uh, looking forward to. Now, uh, the Old uh, Testament, of course, is uh, schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Uh, they are examples of all what is uh, to come. Uh, in the New Testament and even uh, into the future. Uh, So these three feasts, (coughs) while there's the natural application in the Old Testament, they are uh, things that we are actually, or the first two, we're actually living by on a daily basis. Uh, The Feast of Passover, of course, if Christ is our Passover, uh, we gather here, as we know, every Sunday (coughs) to... uh, commemorate the the sacrifice of the Lord, of what he's done for us, uh, the shedding of his blood, uh, even in preaching the gospel, as we've heard tonight, in the gifts of the unbeliever. uh, We're still talking about our salvation, what the Lord's done for us, our deliverance, and the three feasts were all centred around uh, to remember (coughs) uh, the, the children of Israel to remember uh, that deliverance uh, out of uh, out of Egypt there uh, we read here in verse fourteen it says three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year, thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread uh, thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed of the month for in it thou came out from Egypt and none shall appear before me empty. And of course that was uh, the feast of the Passover. And then we read in verse 16, and the feast of harvest, uh, the first fruits of thy labours, and uh, which we, we wanted to apply that to, to the church it was the day of Pentecost, uh, when the first of the first fruits was uh, gathered in. Uh, there were, as it says, about a hundred and twenty have uh, all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak uh, with other tongues. And then it says, And the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in uh, the labours uh, out of the field, three times in the year, as all thy mail shall appear before the Lord God. Now this covered a period of <coughs> seven months from well, the... Uh, <coughs> Month Abbey was their first month, and Passover, as we know, was on the fourteenth day, and uh, the <coughs> the uh, feast of uh, in gathering or tabernacles was actually in the seventh month. Now, out of these three months, uh, sorry, out of these three feasts, um, <coughs> the one that was celebrated most uh, was the actual feast of tabernacles, and uh, <coughs> it, this was it was really a great feast. Let's just quickly turn to the book of Numbers, um, (coughs) Numbers 29, and we see just how great this feast was. Now it actually, just to give you a brief idea before we (coughs) read, on the first day of this month, and the first and second day of the month, there was another short feast put in called the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the 15th, or on the 10th day was the Day of Atonement, And on the 15th day to the 21st uh, was the day of tabernacles. And they said this was really a great time of celebration. And (coughs) we read here, uh, (coughs) verse 12, which was the first day, says, And on the 15th day of the seventh month you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days, You shall offer a burnt offering, a sacrifice made by fire, a sweet savor, thirteen young bullocks, etc., 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 etc. And down in verse seventeen, on the second day, you shall offer twelve young bullocks, two rams, fourteen lambs, the first year without spot, and so on. And this goes on. Verse twenty, the third day, and then twenty-three, the fourth day. Twenty, verse twenty-six. Uh, the 5th uh, day, verse 29, the 6th day, and on each of these days they had to offer bullets and everything. And then we go on to read um, over verse 32 on the 7th day, and then in verse 35 there's something interesting. It says, On the 8th day you shall have a solemn assembly, you shall do no servile work therein. And when you start to <clears throat> actually study this, it sort of reminds you of the of the time uh, from <clears throat> with me. It reminded me of the time from Adam up to the end of the millennium period, uh, which is a particular time of uh, in God's great week of seven days. It's such time to pass the before we come to the meeting that we very rarely mention the eighth day uh, that is to come. Uh, Because at the end of the seventh day, as we know, at the end of the millennium, uh, there's going to be the great judgment day and all this sort of thing that is going to take place where everybody comes before the Lord. And we enter into this uh, great uh, eighth day uh, that the Lord has got prepared for us. Now when you liken this or look at this (coughs) Feast of Tabernacles, and we start to um can make a comparison with what we're actually doing today. First of all, we are in the, the time of the feast of Pentecost, or the feast. Another name was it, the feast of harvest. And we even heard in the gifts about going out and talking to people and telling about testimony and of the signs and the wonders and miracles and power that the Lord is doing. So. <clears throat> When we read of the day of Pentecost, it's very easy to read and think, oh, this was just the day uh, when God started something and he started the church. What we don't realise is that the feast of Pentecost is still actually happening this day. We're still part of it. We haven't uh, (coughs) finished, uh, or the Lord hasn't finished gathering in his harvest. And Pentecost, and therefore the Pentecostal experience of being born again, is is going to continue to go on right up until the time when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, when he returns to this earth and the last of his harvest is actually gathered in and uh, brought uh, uh, into a position of the great feast that is going to take place. And that great feast is the wedding feast, when we're going to be <coughs> united together one, you're not going to get a greater celebration than that, are you? Is that we're all gathered around the throne of the Lord, we're all there, the Lord's rejoicing with us, and if we're going to look at the scripture over in the New Testament where this is the feast that the Lord himself is waiting for, just one single verse that he actually mentions this. And <coughs> so it is a day even just sitting here, we're actually preparing ourselves for that particular time. We're strengthening ourselves that we might uh, meet the Lord in the air. We're looking for the, on the waiting to hear uh, the sound of the trumpet and so on. Uh, if you just uh, go back to Leviticus 23, and we just uh, look at another couple of verses here linked with it. It says, again, it's just reiterating, Speak unto the children of Israel, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles. And again, uh, there in verse 43, it speaks of it, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel, the feasts of the Lord. So this was a very, very important part of their, their, shall we say, their yearly uh, service unto the Lord. These were specific times that the Lord had set apart uh, when they were to worship him, when they were to, as I said, remember their deliverance, uh, remember the sacrifice that was made, remember that, uh, of course, uh, the Egyptians have been defeated, that they have been totally separated from the land of bondage and so on. Now, <clears throat> when we uh, give testimony, uh, the main thing that we say in our testimony is, is that <clears throat> what we were like before we came to the Lord, and what we're like after uh, we come to the Lord, that we were actually separated from Sin strife, the Lord remembers our sins and our iniquities no more, and He makes us an absolutely new creature and uh, set the feast of Passover we keep regularly because the Lord is our Passover, and uh <coughs> if we are about the Lord's business, then of course we'll be going to out there <coughs> trying to uh, gather in the harvest. And uh, the Lord, of course, well, that day the Lord is going to come back, as it says, in Matthew and the angels will come, the reapers will come uh, to separate uh, the wheat from the chaff. Now, as I said, we are part of this right now. We're actually ministering the word of God. We've come here at this particular time for a convention. We've not really come just to sit there and gather together and listen to people sing and listen to people preach, yes, it's all part of it. But at the same time there will be many, many people out on the street and they will out be out there trying to minister the word of God uh, to <clears throat> to gather in uh, the harvest. And let's turn to <clears throat> Matthew chapter 26. Uh, sorry, Matthew 24. Just a couple of verses here, verse 30 and 31. As we said, this uh, feast of trumpets was two days where they just... Uh, continually blowing the trumpets, heralding uh, of the, the, the last bit of harvest that had been just gathered in uh, to the great celebration. Now here in verse 30 it says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the of the uh, tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven uh, with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven uh, to the other. And perhaps <clears throat> this verse really sums it up to a degree. Uh, as he said, the angels are going to go out and are going to gather together the sound of the trumpet. The celebration takes place, and in the midst of all of this, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is there, he's arrived, he's come back at a, an appointed time. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know in his father's eyes it's going to be an appointed time uh, when it actually comes back. Uh, we read, if you go to First Corinthians chapter 15 and to verse 52, it says, uh, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for well, the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Now we read these scriptures over and over again and uh, <clears throat> and, that, and we're fully aware, uh, but uh, let's just, shall we say, have a vision of what is to come in the future, that the Lord is actually preparing us and uh, Uh, by uh, using us to minister the word of God to be about the Lord's business. And we are actually therefore preparing ourselves for the Lord to to come back and uh, to meet him in the air. And we're looking forward to this day. When we actually think about it, it is the only uh, way that we can look, and that is forward to this actually uh, actual particular time. It's the same mentioned again in the First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. But I'd just like to go back to the Gospel of John chapter 7 while we're turning there. <coughs> in John chapter 2, we know it was the, the wedding feast of Cana. And uh, they uh, had no wine, and uh, Mary, of course, spoke to Jesus, and uh, <coughs> he uh, said to her, And verse 4, woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. And uh, in other words, (coughs) it was something, as the wedding feast that he was talking about, is that this was not his particular time. It was something that he was going to um, see in the future. It was going to be part of his, shall we say, the future thing that he was going to be looking forward to. Now here in John chapter 7, this is actually talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. We read from verse 1 to verse 8, and it says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the work that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh uh, to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Then Jesus said unto them, My time is not yet come, for your time is all, all, <coughs> always ready. So, What was he actually talking about? In one way, we could say it was centred about him going and doing the works. But when we go to read on, it was actually centred around the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's why he refused to go up to it. And Because as we go on to read in verse 7, it says, The world cannot hate you, but me it hated, because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Then in verse 8 he says, You go you up unto this feast, I go not yet up unto this feast, for my time is not yet full come. So he makes exactly the same statement as what he made in John chapter 2. This time it's a reference to this particular feast. My time to go up to the feast, or to be part of it, hasn't arrived yet. So what was he actually talking about? He must have been talking about that this particular feast was something that was to come in the future. Now, we know when we read in other parts of the Bible, and we're going to see it a moment in Zechariah, that even in the millennium period, the Feast of Tabernacles is still going to go on. And and in what manner uh, the Lord is going to uh, deal with it, it's a bit hard to actually get a, a real clarification on it. But it's obvious that Jesus was looking to this particular time uh, when this was going to happen. All of his ministry was to actually lead, of course, first of all, to his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and to go back to the Father's right hand. But that was only his part of it. If we look at it as the wedding feast, then, of course, there is still... Uh, the Bride, (coughs) for her part, and we make up that Bride, the Church, and we are working now towards, so we could actually use the same words and say, our time is not yet fully come. When it is totally and completely accomplished, it's going to be that day when we rise to meet the Lord in the air. So as with the Lord, the Lord had to minister right up to the very end. So we also have to continue to minister the word of God right through to the very end until that point actually of the resurrection when we meet the Lord in the air. So the only thing that we can say is let's be about the Lord's business. We're The Feast of Pentecost, as we said, the feast of the first fruit, the harvest, is what we're actually applying right at this very moment. And uh, <coughs> we <coughs> uh, we go about, we reap, we still sow, we reap, and eventually, of course, there's going to be that time when the Lord is going to say, or the Father will say, this is it, the whole harvest has actually uh, been gathered in. Let's just go back to uh, Zechariah <coughs> chapter 14. You read in the earlier <coughs> uh, verses, of course, of the plague that is going to come upon the earth. Verse 1 calls it the day of the Lord cometh and uh, mighty things will happen upon the face of this earth. And then in <coughs> verse 16 it says, And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whosoever will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. And if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, that have no rain, there shall be the plague, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen, that come not uh, up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt, and the punishment of all nations, that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Now, we see therefore the importance of centering our sight, our vision on meeting the Lord in the air. The other name, of course, for the feast of tabernacles was the feast of booths, and uh, the children of Israel uh, would make themselves little shelters. They, of branches, and they would make it a little booth, a shelter to to live in, and they would be in there for the actual seven days (coughs) of the of the actual feast of tabernacles. Uh, (coughs) Now, the verse. uh, In John 14 has always intrigued me with this subject and it says that in my father's house are many mansions. Now, when we think of the word mansion, uh, in our language, we think of perhaps a nice big house, uh, you know, perhaps uh, fit for a lord or an earl or even a king or someone like that. Uh, but <clears throat> so I decided to look up the word and it doesn't mean abode or anything like that it actually means an abiding. And according to the Vines Dictionary, it says this word has never ever been used to describe a dwelling place. And I looked at it and I thought, an abiding? Surely then this is exactly what the Lord wants, is that if he's going to gather his church, they're going to be abiding and dwelling together as one, shall we say, group. One unified group brought about through, of course, the Holy Spirit that we have uh, received, been united together, and we have come up to keep the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, what's actually going to happen all through the millennium period, we don't really know. We know we're going to be ruling and reigning over this earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's obvious, therefore, from the very nature of man uh, that he can even rebel against the Lord. Um, And we're there, if he's going to rule and reign, or naturally uh, with a rod of iron, then, of course, people will have to be uh, brought under subjection. So it goes to show there's a a rebellious nature to man. But this Feast of Tabernacles is there to still remember the time in the wilderness. And is the Lord therefore still making a way which he must do for the people because there will be many people born uh, in this particular era uh, to be given the opportunity they can't keep the Passover they can't keep the Feast of Pentecost because uh, those particular times will have uh, finished and so there's only this time. So this is a very important time for us because As it, as we just read here, uh, if not, yeah, verse 18, if the family of Egypt go not up and come not, there'll be no uh, rain come upon them, there'll be a plague wherewith the Lord will smite and so on. And, and so we have this duty to perhaps minister the word of God in slightly different form to what we're actually ministering now. But we still have this particular role to play uh, to... Uh, to the people at uh, in the millennium period, just like to look at another aspect of this, and we go back to Matthew chapter twenty-six and uh, verse twenty-six. Now, the harvest, the last of the harvest, uh, after the wheat or at the end of it that was to be brought in, was also the fruit and the grapes and and so on. And uh, verse uh, 20, we start in verse 26. That it says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with uh, you in my Father's kingdom. And I sort of looked at this and thought exactly, how is the Lord going to do this? Because there's no real clarification of what I can see in Scripture to actually illustrate about this. I got to thinking that if the, the Feast of Tabernacles is going to be, as he said, the celebration of the inn gathering, and part of this is uh, uh, the fruit, the grape, which will be, uh, of course, uh, made into wine, new wine, and, and that, and this, therefore, is this what the Lord's trying to say to enforce all the other aspects of this particular feast? is that that time when I am with you, when the wedding feast is taking place, uh, when I will be there drinking it, as it says, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And there are many various little aspects of the Word of God, just a little statement like this, that when you start to piece them together a bit like a jigsaw puzzle, you start to get a real good picture of what the Lord is actually talking about and defining something so very clear. Now overall, just to go back, the Lord defined a time for the Passover. He defined a specific uh, time for uh, the Feast of um, Pentecost, and that appears to be really illustrated in Exodus 19 there, uh, when Moses went up to the mount on what was known as the sixth day, which is actually the day of Pentecost, and he brought back the word of the Lord. And, and then we have this specific time of the Feast of the Trumpets, uh, the atoning sacrifice, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now the Lord therefore, uh, and I say the Lord God, has got a time for this to all come to pass. We don't know that time, and we will not know that time until it actually happens. And we don't know when the Lord's going to come back, as the Bible says, they're like a thief in the night, but all the Lord is doing is saying to us, "Be prepared, be ready, be about my business, and <clears throat> continue uh, to be there gathering in the harvest. Don't you just leave it up to somebody else or anything like that? It's that uh, we're all called uh, to be a minister of the Word of God. we're all called to be. Uh, shall we say, a servant, one that is ready, one that is willing and able because the Lord has made us able ministers. And so we have a really great day to look forward to, don't we? It's in the world, I mean, uh, most people would say their wedding day, uh, well, perhaps they did years ago, a lot of people break up with their weddings and they might not say it, Uh, but the wedding day was the best day of their life and And that, when they were joined together and um and uh, uh, still thirty, forty, fifty, sixty years later, they're still happily rejoicing together, and that of course is how a marriage should be, and surely, therefore, because the Word of God in applies uh, in Ephesians to a marriage to our relationship, the church uh, with the, the Lord Jesus Christ, that has got to be a day when we are being prepared. And that day is the Feast of Tabernacles and all the people sin.